0: Good morning guys, ComCenter Sports coming at you again here on Thursday, January the 23rd, 2020, episode number 43. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of signings that have gone down here toward the end of the offseason as teams are getting ready for spring training. With me as always, my co-host Ben Nisman. Benny, what's going on today, buddy?
1: A lot going on here, Joe. A ton of signings. One, most importantly for you and I, is that the Mets get their man, one of their own, and a guy that's been there since 2007, guy the team respects a lot, apparently. And it just, it seems like for me, Joe, that it was very important to Brody to have a Spanish-speaking manager, someone that can communicate with someone, some of those guys and be bilingual. And I think this was a good move. I think I can speak for both of us when I say that we're glad that this happened now and not like a week from spring training or even close to it.
0: Right. You know, the Mets had to jump on this and they had to get in there quickly. They do sign Luis Rojas to be the new manager after Carlos Beltran has been let go. It's going to be a two year option with the Mets, or I'm sorry, a two year contract with the Mets with club options to follow and you wonder, who is Luis Rojas? This isn't a name that anybody is really familiar with, but he comes from a long line of, of major leaguers and major league managers. He's the son of Felipe Alou, half-brother of Moises Alou, and he coached in the Dominican Winter League. And he's bounced around the Mets minor league farm system for a long period of time. He's managed the uh, Gulf Coast Mets, the Savannah Sand Nats, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, and other teams that uh, are not as creative with their with their uh mascot as uh, as some others but here he is he's been the uh, he's been the quality control coach last year and he really was a top contender for this job had they not gotten carlos beltron Uh, My understanding was that the Mets front office, Brody Van Wagenen specifically, felt like they would look bad to new owner Steve Cohen if they hired somebody that they didn't originally look at when they were looking at Carlos Beltran. So that sentiment sort of counted out guys like Dusty Baker and Buck Showalter and really had me thinking that this was going to be the guy. Uh, you're right. Uh, you're right on the money about the uh, bilingual status. You know, I like the idea that he's going to be able to communicate with a, with every player on the team. You know, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting an interesting growing period for the Mets. But this team is in win now, and this is a guy that uh, that has had success in the Dominican baseball league, and he's he comes with with quite a pedigree. So I'm interested to see what he's capable of.
1: Right. I think the most important thing is will the team respond to him as an authoritative figure in this regard. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got to be able to put his foot down. He's got to make sure that everyone does their job, not only on the field, but with getting to practices. I mean, everything that's inclusive of being a manager and being Mm -hmm. a very good manager. So will the team play for him? Will the team play hard for him? And will he be able to handle the media? Because right now, I mean, it's huge to at least know that you're not going to have to deal with all the questions that Beltron would have had to face and what a distraction that would have been. So I already realize that Rojas is going to have to deal with these similar type questions, not as ba- not nearly as bad, mm-hmm. but just, Hey, you weren't the first man for the job. You know, you're kind of the throw in it, mm-hmm. it works, but there's already going to be a lot of questions from the media already. So, how he's got to deal with that, how he's got to deal with it after tough losses, being a first-time manager. But I think I'm comfortable with this for many reasons. Um, I would have liked them to go after a Buck Showalter, a Ron Renneke, a Clint Hurdle, even a Mike Socha, mm-hmm. even though 88 happened. I think you could put that at bed by now. Um, someone a little more experienced would have been my preference. But I understand the logic of having a Spanish-speaking manager, how you might be able to communicate to guys like a Rosario, like a Familia, like a Diaz, even more so to make them more successful players going into their next campaign. So um, I like the signing. Uh, you and I, were are hoping that it really works out for them for the long term. But they are in win now, and they got to pick the right guy because he steers the ship.
0: Right. And, and the one thing that I'm more concerned about and, and not necessarily the, because you talk about how he's going to handle the media and that ultimately comes down to the PR department that comes down to the front office. You know, what is, what are they going to prep Luis Rojas to say when these questions come up? You know, that's, that's, that's going to be on the front office and how that's handled is, is reflective on that department. What I want to see is how he's going to handle the bullpen. How he's going to handle double switches. How how in-game he's going to be managing. Because we just came from well, Mickey uh, Calloway, who is impossibly bad with the bullpen. He was just so awful when it came to, you know, which guy, which which button is he going to push? When does he pull the trigger on, on, on pulling a pitcher? And we were mind-blown at how bad he was and how bad the bullpen was as a result. So that's, the, that's going to be the difference here. You know, that's right. that's the one thing that the Mets between being a playoff team and not last year was that bullpen and how Luis right. Rojas handles it is going to be the difference this year as well. Right.
1: And I think you hit it on the the nail on the head when you said how he managed the bullpen for a guy that was a pitching coach mm-hmm. for the Cleveland Indians but had so much more to think about and I think he had his heart a little bit more into the game than the logic of who, you know, it's like, this is the time where I should leave this guy in longer because I don't want to hurt his feelings versus this is the time to use him, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So not only was he bad at managing the bullpen, it was like you said before, just knowing the right time to execute a double switch. And I have no idea if Rojas knows how to do that.
0: No. And that remains to be seen.
1: Right. And I'm just, wondering for myself when the when those time arise will he know to push the right button and get the right guy at the right time from the bullpen will he know when to pull a guy at the right time to make sure that the pitcher isn't going to be coming up for a while and he has a hitter ready to come up and do his job right i mean handling the bench we have a good bench right Mm -hmm. now so does he know when to to use Dominic Smith, mm-hmm. how to get the most out of these guys. We have a lot of young players, and you could develop them the right way, or they can go in the wrong direction. Like I said before, this guy's got to steer the ship. So yeah. I got to think, you know, that's what everyone's going to be looking at. Can he handle this young group who's, there's a lot expected of them in the best division in baseball, arguably.
0: Yeah. And the other the other criticism that Mickey Calloway got was that he wasn't very sabermetrically knowledgeable when it came to the research and development team that, that that would present him with with information, and you know he was hit by the media that 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 asked him, you know what what in this situation, you know you you've got numbers that say that this that this is going to be the successful outcome, and you're not using that. And his response was something to the case of, yeah, you can use all of those numbers, but that doesn't that doesn't go with that doesn't give me any latitude as far as my gut is concerned, and. Right you know, in this day and age where you have this kind of information, he admitted that 90% of his decisions are going to go against those numbers. That is alarming. To As a Mets fan, it was alarming to hear that a manager was like, yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't care about that stuff. I'm going to go with what I think is right. And it was to the detriment of the New York Mets. My question is, where does Luis Rojas fall on that, on that subject? As a quality control coach, what were his responsibilities? Was he, was he involved in these sabermetrics research? These are, these are things I want to see, and these are things I want to I hope that he is going to take that step forward from Mickey Calloway and push this team toward the playoffs. All of that right. being said, I think there's way too much going on, and I think there's way too many question marks with this team for them to be a playoff team, but I hope I'm wrong.
1: Right. No, I, I completely agree with you. I think there are a couple of hitters short. They're probably a starting pitcher short because I, I have a lot of questions about the rotation. It is not that scary Mets rotation that everyone was talking about in 2015, 2016. Right. Wheeler disappears. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Matt's is supposed to be a bullpen guy or just uh, an average left-handed pitcher. Uh, Noah was less than what he was supposed to be last year. You're asking for another great year from DeGrom. It's hard for me to think he can duplicate this again Mm. and take home, you know, three Cy Youngs in a row. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Um, But even still, I'm really worried about this whole group. you got so many question marks going into it. Mm -hmm. But even still, they are in win now. They're supposed to... Be able to compete with this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe they go after a Um I, I can't I imagine that. that they're spending any more money. I don't see that. I don't see Steve them Cohen's spending money. Is there yet?
0: Yeah, I don't see them spending money, and I don't see them going after an outfielder specifically. You know, well,
1: I thought maybe he could play another position if you need him at third or you know somewhere else, but. I think they need something. They they need one more piece in that offense mm-hmm. right now. I'm not in love with that lineup. I realize they could compete with a Washington Nationals lineup, sure, but no way the Braves not, or the Phillies
0: right now. Not right now. The the one thing that uh, is starting to to bubble back up here, and it cooled down a lot in the last few weeks with everything going on with the Astros and the Mets and the and the Red Sox, but it's starting to bubble up again. Is a trade for Starling Marte? Would you be interested in that?
1: Yes. Absolutely. Okay. I think that old I think that makes them better. Okay. Even if they have to move Davis or Nimmo. Right. Especially I mean, if they have to move Nimmo. The this
0: the the thought I'm hearing is that it would be Nimmo and uh, Dom Smith would be the two pieces that would go.
1: It's tough, but I would do it. Okay.
0: I agree. I agree completely. We need a real rock-solid center fielder. You know, the the corners are pretty much spoken for between Ioannis Cespedes and Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, JD Davis—like those four guys—are going to pretty much rotate between the two corner outfielders and third base. You know, I, you need somebody in center that can actually handle that position. We can. And when
1: does he become a free agent, Marte? Uh,
0: I believe it's after next season, so we'd have him for two years.
1: Okay, and he's what twenty-eight.
0: Uh, I believe so. I'm pulling him up right now on Baseball Reference. I hadn't anticipated. He is. Uh, he's currently 31. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't. I didn't. Think All right. Well, you're getting old.
1: two years out of him at 31 and 32. That's yes. fine.
0: And he is very inexpensive. At 11.5 million dollars this year and 12.5 next year. So. Fine. It's, you know, the money you saved... It on the doesn't oil.
1: hamstring them next year if they want to go after something else.
0: Right, right. And the 12.5 for 2021 is a team option. He can be bought out for $1 million if he has a terrible season. You know, but right. I, don't, I don't see that happening. But it is a thing that can happen. Um, okay. So, if that comes to fruition, I think that puts the Mets very close to being a playoff team. You know, yeah. again, there's a lot of question marks with a first-year manager. I I just hope that I'm wrong... And that this team isn't, you know, another basically 500 team.
1: Right. It's very possible that that could be the case just because the division is so
0: strong. Right. Right. All right. We move on to the biggest signing of recent memory. And that's going to be Josh Donaldson who finally inks a contract. And the thought was he was going to go back to the Braves or that he was waiting on the Nationals deal. He doesn't go to either, Benny. He goes to the Twins here, four years, $92 million with a $16 million club option for a fifth season or an $8 million buyout. It basically guarantees him four years and $100 million and could be five years and $108 million. It is the largest free agent signing in Twins history and the second largest contract in franchise history behind only Joe Mauer's eight for 184. Uh, the lineup in Minnesota suddenly becomes much more potent after losing CJ Krohn and Jonathan Scope to free agency. They bring in this guy. This almost guarantees that Miguel Sano moves across the diamond to first base, and you get a 30-home run guy in Josh Donaldson anchoring the hot corner. I like it, and I like it a lot.
1: Right but where do you feel like it now competes with the pale hose that you are practically convinced yes. they're winning the AL Central? Does this put the Twins back in your mind of being in contention for that spot? Because I could argue that even though they lose Scope and Crone, that if, and that's a big if, mm-hmm. Donaldson can play in 150 games, this actually... It makes them better right? because Donaldson, if you're able to spell him over at DH as much as possible, Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, he could play that long. And if he's going to be on the field, he's going to do damage just from potentially picking up walks, Mm -hmm. you know, or just wherever he needs to produce in order to give other players in the lineup at bats. So I, I think this is a huge move for this team. I think they got him basically on the cheap. Uh, it, gets, it gets him a chance to bet on himself and have a big year. And if that happens, this team can win the Central again.
0: Yeah, I, I, I just question that pitching staff in Minnesota. You know, I also question the pitching staff in, in, in Chicago, but I, I question the pitching staff in, in Minnesota more. You know, it's, it's Jose Barrios, it's Jake Odorizzi, it's Homer Bailey, and then it's two rookies. You know, I I just don't like that pitching staff. That Dobnack guy, right? Yeah, Dobnack and Devin Smeltzer round out that rotation right now until Rich Hill gets healthy, and who knows if he's even going to be healthy this year. The lineup is potent. The lineup is nasty, you know. Right now, Roster Resource has it set as Kepler, Polanco, Cruz, Donaldson, Eddie Rosario, Mitch Garver, Arise, Miguel Sano batting 8th, and Byron Buxton ninth. I don't know how long that lasts if it even goes in that direction. But it's balanced. And they have
1: a bench, too. So this team is very potent offensively. I mean, you could say that lineup with Sano and Buxton rounding out the order is one of the best in all of baseball.
0: Yeah, it's nasty. It's very nasty. Um, I wonder how long Miguel Sano stays that far down in the lineup with the power that he has. If he can put together 150 games, I think he's a lock for 40 homers. And having that at eighth in your lineup just seems kind of silly. You know, I think I think this lineup is, is long. It's very, very long. You're not going to be able to take a breath here. Um, this team obviously set the record for most home runs in a season last year. so the question is where do they go from here They can't go anywhere but down. It right. seems but again, they, they they locked in a better defender at third base than Miguel Sano, another guy who can hit more home runs than CJ Crone. so it's basically right. replacing you know Crone and, and scope with Donaldson and Luisa Rise.
1: And mm-hmm. it also gives time for Nelson Cruz, who's a much older player, to rest right. as much right. as possible. So Because you're going to want to put Sano in that DH spot. You're going to want to put Donaldson in that DH spot. And have a, sure. that spot be a guy that a couple of them have to bounce around it. Yeah. So if you want Nelson Cruz fresh, and for some reason Nelson Cruz just continues to produce like a robot, you got to keep trying and find a way to help. You win games by using them at the right time.
0: Yeah, this is a huge move. I really, really like this move. I just, again, I wish they would have gone and gotten another pitcher somewhere. And there's no there. There's certainly no guarantee that they don't go out and make a trade, like say with Colorado for John Gray or you know something else. Chris Archer is probably available from from Pittsburgh. You know, there's there's options out there that if they need to go get a piece at the deadline, they can. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens there. But you're right. The twins have moved right back into competing for the for the Central in my opinion. I'm not sure who's going to win that division right this moment. Uh it remains to be seen. But I like the Twins. They're coming back. They're they're coming back here strong and they make a really nice signing. Yeah,
1: and I I love the fact that he changes leagues. Mm-hmm. Just going to the American league can only be more beneficial to just be able to keep him healthy. I mean
0: yeah, back where he had his most success, right? He won his MVP right. in the AL. You know, yeah, he, he had. Oh, he won
1: the. I mean, he led the league in runs with 122 and RBIs with 123 that year in 2015. He right. was unbelievable, and the, the home run total since 2013. And it's a it's a hard spot spot in my heart because I drafted this guy 25th out of 25 players in our league in 2013 because I heard that they're going to give this guy regular playing time. And then I dropped him because I thought that Chase Headley was supposed to be my everyday third baseman. Mm -hmm. All he did that year is have 37 doubles, 24 homers, 93 RBIs, and batted 301. And since then, 29 home runs, 41 home runs in that MVP year, 37, 33. And then the injury-played year, and then all he did last year for the Braves is walk 100 times and get about 550 at-bats and 96 Mm -hmm. runs. So just an awesome player if he can stay on the field, completely productive, and I think it's huge that he's moving to the American League. I think if they can keep all these guys, these older players, and, uh, you know, Sano that we're just waiting to see, like, an insanely breakout season, if he can stay on the field, this is a logical move, so... Mm -hmm. I really give them a lot of credit. I definitely think that they're in the running again to win this division and maybe even make a run after that.
0: Yeah, you know, you talk about the injury there, and, and the injury happened late in 2017, cost him a bunch of games. He only played 113 that year and lingered through 2018, where he only played in 52 games. But right. before that injury, man, 158 games, 158 in 2014, 100. 58 in 2015, 155 in 2016. He was he was literally the guy you could plug into your, your lineup and not worry yeah. about. And he played in right. 155 last year, so it seems like he's right back where he was. So right. if they get 155 games out of him again this year, he's a lock for 35 homers, going to be somewhere near 100 RBIs and 100 runs scored and 100 walks. I if love
1: they it. Don't, if Billy if Bean doesn't trade Cespedes in 2014, the Oakland Athletics probably don't have to play that wild card game against mm-hmm. Kansas City. Yeah. they probably win the division, and they probably potentially make a run. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand moving Cespedes at the time that he got moved, but Donaldson helped them get into the playoffs yeah. a couple of those years. Yep. He was a big part of it in 2013 and 2014, and helped Toronto a lot in 2015 oh my, and yeah. 2016. You know, so it's just he seems to be a winning player. You seem to see it in, in the playoffs an awful lot and last year is no exception they you know he was fighting with them the Braves till the end and that mm-hmm. game five against the Cardinals so mm-hmm. he's a hell of a player and you know like you said he's been basically able to stay durable and be on the field so yep. I mean what how does this it just seems like it's a great move for both
0: parties right now I, I'm with you on that I'm with you on that and I look forward to seeing him mash in target field this year all right, let's move on to another big signing. One of the three big outfielders that were left has inked a deal. It's going to be Marcel Ozuna. Now, the thought was he was either going to go to, you know, back to St. Louis. There were talks about him going to San Francisco. Not the, That does not happen either. Almost in response to losing Donaldson, the Atlanta Braves step up and sign Marcel Ozuna one year $18 million. And it's an interesting deal because you would think that Marcelo Zuno would be signing some sort of long de- long-term contract, you know, four five-year deal. But we don't get that here. We get him betting on himself just like Josh Donaldson did last year in Atlanta. And it's a guy coming off of a, off of a down year comparatively. You know, his lowest batting average uh, at 241, low RBI totals at 89, 29 homers, 80 runs scored. You know, it was a, it was a, Difficult year for Ozuna. He did battle injuries as well as he only had 130 games. But this is a lineup now that suddenly is even scarier than it was before, right? You got an outfield now of Ozuna, Ronald Acuna, and either Nick Marcakis or Ender Inciarte. The lineup will probably go o- Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Ozuna, and Markakis in that order. That's a really solid one through five. And yeah
1: dangerous yeah I just think I think this is a no-brainer for them and yeah betting on himself very much great example of it and question of how Snicker is going to play it out with the outfield you can give this guy some rest if you need to mm-hmm. and you can give Nick Marcakis rest if you need to you mentioned off air how you could put in, CRK, in defensive replacement at any point in the game.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: that's a great way to keep these other guys healthy. Yeah, So great move for them. Keeps them competitive in the East. I I think as much as I think Philly is going to win this division, I think Atlanta, because of this move, gives them a run for their money. This is an awesome signing. I think it takes a lot of pressure off of him because the lineup is really dangerous. I think a lot of the focus is still more on Acuna mm-hmm. and Albies and Freeman and what they can do. And this is just another piece to the puzzle. Brilliant move here. I think this is a huge no-brainer for them.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's a smart move. It's a one-year deal. If he's not good, then you only waste $18 million and he moves on back into free agency. And if he is good, fantastic. If the team is good you're you, and he's performing well, well, then you're going to the playoffs. And if the team isn't performing well, well, then maybe you could flip him for something. As well, I don't think the Braves are done here. I don't think they're done adding to this lineup. And the question remains that they have a very large hole at third base right now. They're either going with Yohan Camargo or they could go with Austin Riley. But I feel like this is the kind of setup for a one-year run where they could go out and trade for, you know, a Chris Bryant or a Nolan Arenado or, you know, another third base option to fill in there until you know th- they until Austin Riley gets enough bats at bats in the minor leagues that he can get a strikeout rate down and be a be a, a major league player. I, if they were to add another bat like Chris Bryant to this lineup, I I don't see a way they don't win the NL East. Um I love this signing for them. I have them going very deep into the playoffs just with this alone. You know, this is this is going to be a really really strong team.
1: Yeah. I give Alex Anthopoulos a lot of credit because mm-hmm. he just comes in here and he has that winning attitude just like he was with Toronto from 2003 to 2015. And he um, he built that team from the ground up with the Toronto Blue Jays and he got them really close. I mean, you can argue if they get through that series with the Royals, maybe they beat the Mets in the mm-hmm. World Series. I I think he's an awesome GM and he's just in a winning attitude and I think the Braves have really, because they've had this guy controlling things, they've been successful. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think he's done necessarily. It was kind of a surprise to me Mm -hmm. that he was, because we kind of thought that their outfield was spoken for. Now it's, I mean, I think it's even better because Nick Markakis is a 36, 37-year-old player, Mm -hmm. and he's going to need time. I mean, in Ciarte, he's kind of aging as well. Um, and you know, Acuna he's a freak athlete, right? But you know, he's a human, so this just makes them longer. It makes it just adds depth, and um, you know, I think it's just a great team right now. So I think I still got the Phillies. I think there's still more, and I think adding Girardi as a manager is just—it's so huge. To I think that automatically could add some games because that's a guy that I know that can executed double switch who can be and not that snicker can't i just think that i'm trying to just defend the phillies here when right. i say that they still have the edge for me in the division but the braves i can definitely see him like running away with the wild card or at least competing for it
0: okay uh, the braves were not done they did make another signing here and it's an interesting one they go ahead and sign felix hernandez to a minor league deal with an invitation to uh to spring training he could make a million dollars in salary, and it feels like a depth piece. It feels like a guy who's coming in for spring training is going to mentor some of these young pitchers that they have. And if he's able to break camp as the fifth guy in their rotation, well, now you're talking about a rotation of Mike Soroka, Max Freed, Cole Hamels, Mike Fultonavich, and Felix Hernandez. It's a pretty solid top five. And you're not yeah. even counting, you know, guys like Sean Newcomb or Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson into that. You know, these are these are the names that could be involved in any kind of trade for a third baseman. So if Felix can come in and show that he's healthy and show that he can perform, there's a spot for him there. There's an opening at the fifth spot in that rotation.
1: Right. And he can win the job very easily if he just shows up a little bit in spring mm-hmm. training that he can take the ball and get out. Yeah, uh, we know what this guy is capable of. Obviously, we know about the big Cy Young that he had, uh, how unbelievable he was with Seattle, Mm -hmm. uh, the King, and just a legend there, basically. But never took them to the playoffs. Um, And, you know, he had a perfect game. I remember watching that entire game. Mm -hmm. He's an awesome pitcher when he's at his best, but I think uh, 2017, 2018, and 2019 kind of just tell the story of where his career is going and what yeah. direction it is, maybe it's not a rotation spot. Maybe they can find another role for him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be up to Snicker and that's going to be up to the organization, right. the best way to use them and get the most out of him at this point in his career. Cause he's, he's what 34 now, I believe, right. which is amazing because he's been, it feels like he's been late forever, but he started when he was 19 years mm-hmm. old and there were some big years i mean how about 2009 with a 249 era and in 2010 227 era that led the league 347 306 304 214 in 2014 3.53 in 2015 and only in 2016 3.82 like it's not it's not that far away from a really good season it's just it they gradually just get higher and higher as they right. go and you just think this is what this pitcher is becoming. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that he can't help a ball club. That doesn't mean he can't get outs, And that doesn't mean he can't be a number five successful there. But I think the best way to go with a guy like this is utilize the fact that there is that three batter rule coming. Mm -hmm. Utilize the fact that you can get the most out of him. Keep his confidence up by getting him out of the game and not overusing him and having him ready for his next start.
0: Right. You know, the last three years you talked about, it's been just a downward slope for him. You know, he's he's pitched in uh, 60 games. That's 20 a year when you average it out. He has a 5.42 ERA, went 15-27. and Now, that's more indicative of the Seattle Mariners being bad. But when you factor in that he gave up 61 home runs on 110 walks over 314 innings, it's not very good. It's not very good at all. And and some of it is obviously due to age. There's a lot of miles on that arm. And his best years are obviously behind him. But if see if 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 Atlanta can get him to be a serviceable guy, if he can eat some innings, if he can pitch in twenty five games, if he can start twenty five games, I think they'll take that here.
1: Right, absolutely. You know. And I just think again, you give Anthopolis Am- a lot of credit on what What's the worst that can happen? You kind of are aware of what that is. But if you can get something out of them that you don't expect, then it's more than worth it. So you add that and then Marcelo Zuna on top of it. And what's the ceiling for him in home runs, Joe? Because Uh, he had 37 and 124 in 2017. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's not that long away. 23 in 2018, 29 home runs in 2019 and 89 RBIs. And that was on a 241 batting average. Right. So the year in 2017, he batted 312. He batted 280 in 2018. So I got to believe that that 20, sorry, uh, 240 is his low. Yeah. So um, I think, if anything, you put him in that lineup, he's so much more secure there. And then add Felix there, and you know if you get twenty games, twenty five starts out of him, that's huge. I think that'll it, automatically yeah. just help the depth yeah. of the team that is just silly right now. I mean, what do you do with Newcomb now? I guess this okay. automatically puts them in the same spot, which isn't a bad situation to have that lefty add to
0: the pen. Yeah, and here's the thing: if you compare those two together, right, and you do it. You know, you, you you have Felix as sort of an opener, and you give him one trip through the road, through the through the lineup, and see how he is at that point. And then if he's struggling through that first trip through the lineup, bring in Newcomb. You know, you can you can do things like that. It's no longer a case of oh, this is my starter; he's got to go five. No, you can you can absolutely you know use Felix Hernandez as an opener, or use Sean Newcomb as an opener, and, right. and and pair these two guys together and get what you can out of them. It's just, it right. it seems to be the wave of the future and this might be the way to do it to maximize yeah. your maximize the output of these two guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Keep them fresh mm-hmm. and if it's if it works, then don't broke, don't break it yeah. because it's a system that you think that is working in this type of environment how the game has evolved, then go for it and try and figure it out but it's I, ho- I for for a traditionalist for a guy that likes to see the game played the way he saw it growing up I'd like to still see that five man maybe a six man rotation mm-hmm. but um, you know if this is the way it's going personally I think all the extra management with the openers sometimes that can actually blow up in your face and we've seen that happen before
0: sure but I mean this is this is the this is the way they're doing things now you know the, yeah. the saber matricians yeah. have come in and they've they've made their stamp on this game, and the opener is a thing that's happening now. Yeah. Like I said, And I think what's also the there happens? is something
1: that there's something to be said of a guy that just gets used to a role. Yeah. So if this guy all of a sudden is now being an opener, that's what he's going to end up being good at because he's used to doing it. Mm-hmm. There's just a, a concept of muscle memory there. True. So if that's the way the game is evolving, I do believe pitchers will start to get used to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and again, what's the worst that happens here? Felix Hernandez, you put him on the roster, and he's and he's bad. Okay, you've dumped less than a million dollars into it, and you release. Yeah, There's yeah, nothing wrong. It with that.
1: doesn't hurt, yeah. right? No, it's Anthopoulos going to work here. Mm-hmm. I really think he's. If they get into the playoffs, I'd like I'd like to see him make a run as even as a Mets fan. I'd like to see because it's easier for me to watch them than the Phillies or the Nationals or the Yankees so I mean that's just me speaking on a personal note um I respect Anthopoulos a great deal yep. and I think he absolutely can potentially put this team in a, a position that they can even go to the World Series now mm-hmm. just with the, these couple of moves yep. so um I wonder I wonder if the ceiling is still going on a guy like Acuna, on a guy like Albies because they are so young
0: yeah that's that's completely realistic. You know, who knows how good Ronald Acuna can be when he just missed out on a 40-40 season in what his second year? You right. Know, is is his ceiling Mike Trout, where every year we're expecting you know 30 homers, 30 steals, guaranteed 100 RBIs, high batting average, ton of walks. You know, the one thing about Acuna though, where we're comparing him to Mike Trout, the strikeout rate needs to come down. Right. That's it. Right. That's literally the one nitpick you have with him.
1: Would you still say top five outfielder in the entire game?
0: I'd say top three outfielder in the
1: game. Yeah, I was, that was my next question. Yes. Yeah, top three. Wow. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move on here. And uh, the Detroit Tigers have, have uh, gone ahead and signed my least favorite baseball player in the world right now. His name is Ivan Nova. He signs a one-year deal, $1.5 million guarantee, $500,000 in incentives, so it could make it to two to, to a $2 million deal. Ben, I hate this guy. <laughs> right. I hate Ivan Nova. I went on a rant last year when Ivan Nova was pitching because a lot of guys in our fantasy league were streaming him, and they were streaming him against bad teams. You know, he pitched – I'll just I'll just go ahead. I have his pitch I have his game log here sitting in front of me.
1: Yeah. Wasn't there a little string where it was necessary to pick him up because he was a little kinda of hot at one he
0: was, point? He was okay in August. That was it. He was okay in August. He had like two really good starts. One was against Detroit, who were awful, and one was a complete game against Houston, which nobody ever saw coming, and I don't think anybody actually streamed him because it was Houston. So but after, but before and after that, he was just bad, right? Let's talk about April real quick. April, he faced he pitched five times. He pitched against Cleveland, Seattle, the Yankees, Detroit, and Baltimore. That's a pretty decent run of run of teams to go up against. You know, Cleveland didn't have Francisco Lindor in that lineup. Seattle's bad. The Yankees were 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 rough. Again, and it was in the Bronx. And then the other two were in Detroit and in Baltimore. Those are two horrible teams. You know what he did? He gave up... How many runs did he give up in those five games? He gave up one earned run against Cleveland over seven. Gave up seven earned runs in two and a third against Seattle. One earned run against the Yankees in six. Gave up six earned runs over six and a third in Detroit. And nine earned runs over four in Baltimore. Yes. There were two that
1: were thrown in there that were good, so it's just completely inconsistent.
0: Absolutely, and that's the thing, he's a a hand grenade, you know, you're either going to start him and maybe he does well, or he's going to absolutely implode and give up, you know, eight earned runs on eight hits in three innings against Toronto, which he did on May 17th. Right, and
1: that's what makes him such a frustrating player, because... You don't know when to stream him because mm-hmm. you might see him get picked up by someone else or your opponent mm-hmm. and that's when he has the good start. And it's like really that's the time. Right. Okay. Yeah. There's you no throw... way it's just lucky at that point if you pick them up for against Houston.
0: Right. Absolutely. There's no there's nobody on the planet that should have started him in that game. And it was a. Du- it was a back end of a doubleheader, right? So it was a back end of a doubleheader in, in Chicago. He goes a complete game, three three strikeouts. That's it. That's the other side of this, is that he doesn't strike anybody out. He threw 187 innings last year. He had 114 strikeouts. He gave up 47 walks. He gave up 30 homers. He's one of only like three or four pitchers in the league who gave up 30 homers last year. He's so bad. He's so bad. Right.
1: Well, if I can say something nice about him, I did work with someone on a show who did go out on a date with Ivan Nova, and she said that he was a complete gentleman and a really nice
0: guy. He may be a very wonderful human being, and he may be a, the, the greatest guy on the planet. He's just not a very good baseball player. The one thing I will give him, there is one thing I can give him, is that he eats innings. He eats innings for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 187 innings last year 161 innings for pittsburgh in 2018 187 innings for pittsburgh in 2017 and 162 innings for new york and pittsburgh in 2016 guy will eat innings for you so so where
1: where does he stand in this rotation right now
0: uh he's probably their five starter Right now Roster Resource has him as the 3, but I don't necessarily like him any better than the 5. It's math. The rotation sits as Matthew Boyd, Jordan Zimmerman, him, Daniel Norris and Spencer Turnbull. You know, Turnbull was was impressive in in 2019, you know, in short spurts. Daniel Norris is coming off of an injury. I it's not good. Detroit's not yeah. going to be good. Like well, it's Matt not was their,
1: if their Boyd was their best pitcher and yes. he wasn't
0: that good. No. He was not good at all. But but at the end of the day, like I understand getting this guy and plugging him into the rotation for one year. You know, they've got some kids that are coming slowly but surely. You know, Casey Mize, their first overall pick. Tyler Alexander is supposed to be pretty good. Um, Kyle Funkhauser is another name down in their farm system. You know, these are these are kids that are that are coming, but it'll be a minute before they get there. So you do have to plug in, guys. Plus, let's not forget. Michael Fulmer's still a thing, and he's gonna be coming off the DL at some point from his Tommy John surgery. He had that right. you know he had that back in March of last year. So you're probably looking at him as like a midseason return this if year. That, if if he if even that. comes
1: back, yeah. he might be taking this year off. Sure,
0: it's completely possible. He took off all of 2018 or 2019, did not see the field in 2019. So there's a complete possibility that he comes back this year at some point toward the end of the season, and by then they're obviously well out of the well out of the the race for for the playoffs. Maybe yeah. they trade off a guy like Matthew Boyd. Maybe they trade off Ivan Nova if if he's doing something of note. You know, sure. you look at a guy like Andrew Kashner who got traded last year to a contender. There's no reason Ivan Nova can't be that guy.
1: Yeah, I don't see why they don't trade Crone. If you know he yeah. starts to have a good year, yeah. anybody on that team should be expendable.
0: Anybody on that team is expendable right now. There, I don't think there's a guy on that team right now that you would say, no, I have to hang on to this yeah, guy. Yeah, including Cabrera, the including the yeah. great Miguel Cabrera.
1: Yeah. I would trade him. You can get something for him, get yourself younger, shed some money. Get him, all, him
0: under that contract. That's the big thing is somebody who would pick up Miguel Cabrera would have to eat a ton of money.
1: All right. So, um, what I mean, what was Ivan Nova's best year, though?
0: Uh, in twenty eleven, he went sixteen and four with a three seventy ERA. That was really good. That was his rookie year.
1: Yeah, but then I guess that's quite a ways away now. Yeah, that's I mean, nine years ago. This guy is this guy has basically shown that he's a lo- end of the rotation type player. Yeah, I mean a career what four six four five three era something like that career
0: four three two uh, era uh that that certainly helped by the two years in in, in new york where he did so well um, right you know over the last let's just take a look since 2015 i think that's a fair spot his era sits at four four uh he's you know 49 and 54 he's played on some bad teams uh 549 strikeouts over 791 innings. He, like I said, he is not a strikeout guy. He just isn't. Yeah. You know. It's
1: interesting that if you put him on a team like the Yankees or the Braves or the Phillies, like one of these teams that have an incredible offense, mm-hmm. even the Angels, all of a sudden he's a more intriguing pitcher. Like this is a guy that the Angels probably could have picked up mm-hmm. and it makes them more dangerous and gives them more depth
0: it it would have been a much better move than trading away three prospects for Dylan Bundy
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, the only thing I'll say about that is that there's still a ceiling on Dylan Bundy. I still think there might be some upside and actually he can give you something because he was so highly touted. Ivan Nova kind of came out of nowhere on the Yankees and then he had a nice beginning and then the league adjusted to him basically. Mm -hmm. And this is what he is. Mm -hmm. But it's just now he's kind of has to be the guy he's a number three, maybe a number two, because I don't know what to expect of Jordan Zimmerman. So if he's that guy, there's kind of more, I I could see him having a terrible year this year for them, but on another team with a better offense, I could see him having a much better year. So it's just kind of a guy that I look at now. It's like, yeah, he kind of has to be an anchor in a rotation that's already coming in with very low expectations.
0: Yeah. And the Detroit ballpark certainly helps him too. It's a very pitcher friendly ballpark. So, you know, there's, there's, some glimmers there there's i could see a way that he has a better season than he did last year but i don't i don't think that's much to write home about you know it's right. not a guy that you will roster in any fantasy league you know it maybe a guy maybe a guy you stream against i don't know baltimore miami kansas city that's probably about maybe yeah. san francisco That's about it. Yeah,
1: or if, you know, the Red Sox are resting a couple of guys, Mm -hmm. you just go for it. Yeah. And you could, because you need the innings, because maybe you grab that win, you need the extra strikeouts, you go for it.
0: Yep. Yeah. But he is who he is, and he's bad, and I don't like him, and we're going to move on. The Giants went ahead and signed their, uh, what's probably going to be a three or four starter here, and Drew Smiley, one-year, $4 million guarantee, and this contract is filled with so many incentives. I'm going to run through them as best I can here. So it's $4 million guaranteed. And then there's a $250,000 roster bonus if he spends 130 days on the active roster. That's to probably prevent against injury, which he has extensive history of. He has up to $3 million in additional incentives based on starts made or relief appearances that that he could, he could get. Um, it is... $250,000 for 25 games finished, and another $250,000 for 35 games finished. So there's a thought that he might end up being the closer. Uh, then $125,000 apiece for reaching 45, 50, 55, and 60 games in relief just for those appearances. So there's thought he might be a middle reliever. You know, we don't know where Drew Smiley's going to end up um, in this rotation or in this bullpen. But it's a nice piece for the, for the Giants to get on a team that's obviously rebuilding, and it's only a one-year deal.
1: Right. It's a good guy to trade, potentially. Mm-hmm. If uh, he's having a good year in whatever role they decide, that Kapler decides is the best, and you know Kapler, he's going to play around with his toys. Right. And he's just got this guy now that gets incentives depending on whatever he gets to do. Right. So Kapler, he seems like a player's manager to me a uh, guy that wants to get the guy the most money,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, 30 days is nothing. So I think it's a lock that he'll at least get that first incentive. Uh, it's
0: 130 um, days. 130 days.
1: Oh, excuse me. Yeah. 130 days. Well, that's a little different, yes. but still. Um, no, I think it's a good guy. It's always nice to have a lefty that can do different things. Right. Um, obviously, he's got that deceptive delivery. Mm-hmm. And I remember him being a good number five for the Detroit Tigers at one point. So, um the career ERA is awful. Right, four one six. I, right, and I gotta think that you know he's not necessarily that. Um, five and two with a three eleven ERA. That was only in sixty six innings though. But that was twenty fifteen. That's probably the best ERA he threw. No. Right.
0: Um, yeah, of, of any substance, right? Like. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at his 2016 season, which is about his only fully healthy season of 175 and a third, he had a 4.88 ERA for Tampa. Like that's yeah. probably where I pegged this guy for if he stays healthy all year somewhere in the upper fours for an ERA. You know, it's gonna be he's gonna be bad, but he's probably gonna be helped by the ballpark. You know, San Francisco we know is the best pitcher's park to to, to play in. So if you can get 25, 30 starts out of this guy, great. And if you need to use him in the bullpen then I guess he's capable there as well.
1: Yeah. I guess the 237 ERA in 76 innings in 2013, you can go back to when he was on Detroit.
0: Yeah, I mean, but there again, only 76 innings, you know? Like, right. He's only had two really healthy seasons. It's 2014, you know, which probably is his best year, a 3 4 ERA, a 9-10 and uh, record, you know, for Detroit and Tampa And then 175 innings back in 2016. The fact that he missed 2017 and 2018 says a lot. You know, he missed both of those years and then came back in 2019 and was not good. He was not good by any stretch. So, again, it's a $4 million guarantee. If he's bad, you let him go. And if he's good, great. Then maybe you can trade him off to a contender for something.
1: Right. And it's just because he's a lefty that makes him more attractive for other teams. Right
0: alright let's move on the Royals get their guy it's Alex Gordon one year four million dollars and this is basically the face of the franchise from the generation that, uh, that won them the World Series in 2015 fuck you Kansas City uh, that you know they, this is the last holdover and this is the last guy he, you know he's 36 years old at this point you know it's good for them to, to bring this guy back and continue to be the, their left fielder and he probably will be a Kansas City Royal for life any? Great player.
1: Um, just always I'm going to remember how he tied the game in the first game of the World Series against the Mets against Familia when Familia tried to quick pitch him. Yep. That's all I'm going to remember when yep. I think about Alex Gordon. Mm-hmm. And it used to be like, oh, this guy's a great fantasy player. He's just a doubles machine. Yes. Like in 2012 when he led the league with 51 doubles. Mm-hmm. But before that it was 45 doubles. Mm-hmm. Um, across the board, he's just been insane in that category for a long time. That's what he does, 27 the year after the 51 year. That was in 2013. Then 34, 18, 16, 20, 24. Last year he had 31 doubles.
0: Still and really good. He's even a
1: guy, I, pick, I picked him up against you, Joe, in the semifinals because that's what I needed. That's mm-hmm. what I was trying to get, and he did it. And it was just one of those things where, you know, you know what you're getting out of a player sometimes. If you keep on plugging him in there, that's what he does. And I'll always remember, obviously, him helping that team win the World Series. Because if he doesn't hit that home run, I think the Mets win the World Series
0: that year, Joe. Yeah, I do. I do, too. And I I remember sitting there watching this, watching that last inning. And I was recording because there were two outs in the inning. And I'm recording the last out thinking, yeah, we're going to win game one. And I'm recording the television. And the pitch goes in and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no! And I just knew... I kind of
1: remember there being nobody out when he hit it.
0: Okay, maybe that was the case. I, I, I... I have I have mixed emotions about this guy because again at the end of the day you, you you're right he's a good fan he was a good fantasy player and still has some assets here you know if you want to get him late in your draft he has a low strikeout rate he walks a good decent amount can chip in with a few steals here and there and is probably going to be batting in the middle of that lineup so he'll be good right. for a few RBIs here and there um,
1: he's a guy you're probably drafting in a deep mix like sure. a very deep mix, mixed league if you're playing with ten for 12. He's, he's not even making. Not even if you have five outfields. Yeah, you're no, you're playing you,
0: he's he's free agent fodder most of the year. You know, somebody'll will, somebody'll will pick him up here and there on injuries, but that's probably about it in, in shallow leagues. But if you're talking 16 team mixed, this guy is probably going to be rostered somewhere for most of the season. And Yeah, let's Third be honest, or fourth like,
1: outfielder.
0: Yeah. And let's be honest, like he, you could do a whole lot worse than a guy who hits in the middle of the order with some speed demons at the top, like he's going to have the opportunity to drive in some runs, whether or not he capitalizes on it is, you know, what remains to be seen. All right. We move off of him and we go to the Phillies who have gone ahead and signed another player there. This is Neil Walker. They signed him to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. He's probably going to compete with Josh Harrison for a second base job. Uh, Thoughts on Neil Walker, former Met. I really loved him when he was on the Mets.
1: Yeah, just a hard nosed ball player, guy that's like a Ty Wigginton, if you will. Just plays the game hard, really competitive, loves to win, mm-hmm. loves to play the game, and you want a guy like that that's going to be trying to win a job there, right. and he'll be on the team no matter what, and whether you have if you have him and Josh Harrison. Solid little platoon,
0: if that's the case. Yeah. So I I look at the I look at their roster right now, and obviously neither of those guys are going to be starting over Gene Segura at second. But they do hold multi-position eligibility. You know, they're they're guys that you can put anywhere in the anywhere in the infield. You know, first base, third base, wherever you need them. Those two guys could could certainly uh, perform for you. Now the question is, which one of them is going to going to get this job, and which one's going to be cut? Because at the end of the day one of them makes the roster, the other one doesn't.
1: Right. I mean, then the other one will find his way onto another roster, sure. for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, in the same role. Like, you know, Neil Walker was fortunate enough. He played in, he played in Miami the last couple, or at least last year. You know, he did, He wasn't great. You know, he wasn't what the Mets saw in the last couple of years, you know, with him, where he hit 23 homers in 2016, you know, after they got him for John Neese. Nice. You know, he's tapered off the last couple of years. You know, his time in Milwaukee wasn't good. His time with the Yankees wasn't good. And last year he hit better for an average, but just doesn't, he doesn't have the the power or the double stroke that he's had in years past. He's more of a veteran presence and defensive replacement at this point finally, uh, we're going to move on to the Cardinals. Uh, they re-signed Matt Weeters, One year, $2 million with a million dollars in incentives. He's obviously going to back up Yadier Molina like he did last year. Uh, not much to write home about there, but at least they've got a veteran presence behind the plate with Yadier Molina whenever yadi takes a day off.
1: Yeah, I wish there was a little more to write home about with this guy because yeah. I feel like there was a point in his career where we were thinking he was a top-five catcher offensively. Mm -hmm. 2011 was probably the best year. The 262 average, 22 home runs, 68 RBIs, 28 doubles, 131 hits. He had 500 at-bats that year. Um, Aside from that, it's kind of about league average or a little below. Mm -hmm. He's got some pop. He can definitely help your team. Um, It's a little unfortunate for the Cardinals. I kind of like Yadier's backup to be a guy that's a little younger, maybe a little more athletic. But Wieters is definitely a professional hitter. Sure. And you need that – so it's okay to have a veteran behind the veteran. And, I mean, there's no ego there at all. Obviously, Yadier is the man. And as long as he's breathing, he's able to walk and stand up in the morning, Yadier is going to be squatting behind the plate. So it'll keep a, an older guy like Weeder's fresh. And uh, maybe he can bring it offensively. Maybe he can actually be... Somebody that can help them continue on a team that you can argue is in-win now also. They won the division last year. They were in the NLCS. And I'm waiting for them to make a big splash here. I'm waiting because Marcelo Zuna is obviously now on the Braves mm-hmm. because we saw Jose Martinez go as well. Mm-hmm. So, what I mean, what are they doing to make the team better right now? Weeders, I don't know if that necessarily makes them better. There's got to be something else in mind.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe, you know, the talks with the, the Rockies have broken down. There's no more Nolan Arenado trade talks. I certainly don't see them making a trade with the Cubs for Chris Bryant. So where is where is the improvement on this team going to come from? You know, they, they've been very quiet this offseason, making very minor moves like the the signing from the guy from Korea, this one, you know, nothing really moves the needle for me. There was There was that trade with Jose Martinez, and in my opinion, that made that team worse. So it's interesting to see what the Cardinals are going to do if there's anything else they do this off season,
1: Right. And it's interesting how we always, I mean, I feel like we've had this discussion about the Cardinals in the past. Mm-hmm. And all they do is show you what they can do with their young talent and their farm system.
0: Right.
1: I mean, you can spit out those names like O'Neill and Edmund and say that these are guys that they just are very, very confident are going to do the job. They won the championship in 2011. Like, well, they didn't really do anything. Well, they brought back Wayne Wright, who wasn't even there in the whole 2011 season. So they got him fresh. And then all of a sudden, the outbreak of Matt Carpenter. And then what they could do in 2012, they got to the World Series in 2013 with guys like Waka. You know, they find a way to just know what their talent is in their farm system to compete. So maybe they think they've filled their holes and we don't even realize it.
0: Yeah, uh, it's possible. It's possible. We'll, we'll we'll see if the Cardinals do anything else before the season starts. Moving on, the Padres have re-signed their setup man, Craig Stammon. two years, nine million dollars, with a four million dollar option on a third year or a one million dollar buyout. Guy was pretty solid to set up Kirby Yates last year. That was one of the best bullpens in baseball with San Diego, and they've got a y- bunch of young kids coming up through their system that's going to be uh, that's going to be coming for that bullpen job as well. It's why there was talks that Kirby Yates could be on the block for a trade. You know, guys like Andres Munoz, guy, and they signed Drew Pomeranz. You know, Matt Strom is still out there. There's a couple of other guys that are coming. You know, in 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 years to come, that will be able to help out the uh, the bullpen there. Adrian Mor- Morion, I think is how you pronounce that name. In any event, um, yeah, just a solid bullpen piece. You know, that bullpen is going to be really good out there in San Diego.
1: It's a win-now team. It was working for them last year. They figure they have to stick to that. It's possible that they run into the same problem that many bullpens do when a guy is good one year and then awful the next year. Sure. just seems to be an epidemic with relievers, and that could very well happen mm-hmm. to Stannon and Yates. So they do what is most logical for them and say, this worked last year, let's stick to it because mm-hmm. we have the pieces right now to win it all. And at least that's the direction that they're in right now.
0: Right. The last one we're going to hit on here is the New York Yankees signed another reliever, Luis Avilan, former Met, former Dodger, former Brave. Uh, he, again, minor league deal with an invite to spring training. So the question is, is he going to be able to crack that bullpen that is incredibly deep with Chapman and Britton, Adovino, Canely, Chad Green. You know, those five guys really locked down that bullpen. You know, there are a few more spots there. You know, you've got you've got uh, Jonathan Holder out there. You've got Luis Sessa out there. You've got a guy by the name of Ben Heller, apparently, on the, uh, on the roster, according to Roster yeah. Resource. So a lefty, other than Britton and Chapman, is a nice idea to have. A guy in the middle innings that you can bring in. I like the idea of it. I don't necessarily think he's going to crack camp though, because it's it's very difficult to get into that bullpen.
1: No doubt. I mean, you know that Hap is going to be there. You figure if Jordan Montgomery, he's going to be there as mm-hmm. well. They've got a, a ton of guys right now, and yep. I think this guy fits in somewhere at some point in the season. If he's willing... To go down to AAA, mm-hmm. at some point injuries are going to happen. He's going to find his way, and and he's a guy that I kind of liked as a Met. I thought that he basically—I mean, of course he had a couple of stinkers, but for the most part, you got to be happy with what he produced as a Met. And actually, during his career, I mean, the big thing with him is what he stay on the field? Really, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's—you know—it's—it's it's a case of a guy who gets into enough games to to. To be productive. You know, the last two years, uh, you got into 45 games for the Mets, had a 506 ERA. That's pretty ugly. The year before yeah, in 2018. But you know,
1: that's also because, again, when you don't pitch a lot of innings, mm. it's going to be risen if you have one or two or three bad
0: games. Right. No, I'm with but you. But even
1: that. You know, but still, there were a couple when he was there in big moments, and you just need him for an out. That's the only reason why he's there. Maybe he can give you a couple more if you feel like he was good and quick in that Mm at-bat. You give him one more or two at-bats, but that's really all he's there for. And obviously, the roles change now with this three-batter rule. You Mm -hmm. can't just have that kind of specialist guy going righty for righty and then pull him. He's got to do more. Yeah. So that does hurt his value. But again, injuries happen. So I feel like amongst all these names that you're talking about, yeah, Heller, Holder, Kenley, even Lawizaka, he showed success at one point in 2018. Mm-hmm. So he's a name that got that has to be looked at as well. Yep. It's a deep rotation. It's a deep team. It's the best team in baseball on paper. This is just another piece.
0: Yeah, this is this is gonna be their lefty specialist if he cracks camp. And if not, that's okay too. They're they're a deep, deep team. They're gonna win a hundred games, they'll be just fine without him. And worst case scenario, you're not wasting very much money on a minor league deal. I think that'll about cover every signing here, Benji. This has been a great show. Thanks for being here with me.
1: Oh love doing it with you, Joe. You're very welcome. Looking forward to finding out where these other pieces fall, the Yasiel Puigs, Nick Cassianos, even Carlos Gonzalez. He's going to find his way on a roster. So I'm wondering what happens with those guys. We'll have more to talk about soon.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And as things progress towards spring training – we're gonna be here, we're gonna be talking about everything we possibly could think of. We're gonna get a lot of uh, lot of content out for you guys. For those of you just joining us here on Spotify, we just launched there. Uh, you can find the first 40 episodes before uh, Spotify started over on our YouTube channel. Just go ahead and search Com Center Sports. For those of you guys watching on YouTube, go ahead and give us a follow, that's gonna be uh, right here. And our most recent upload, which was our Catchers episode, it's gonna be right here. Thank you guys for listening. Give us, a, give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Follow us on Twitter at Sports. And until next time, it's been real, it's been fun, and it's always real fun in the bigs. We'll see you guys next time.